Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, welcome again. I'm uh, Ben, the lead pastor here. So glad that you are here. If you're new, we are in week two of a series called For Better. I'm going to explain what that's about in a moment. also want to welcome those uh, watching on our other campuses and online uh, as well. For Better is a series that's really looking at the marriage relationship. In fact, uh, last week we started prior to marriage when it, when it comes to dating and uh, really how you find the love that you're looking for. Uh, and now we're stepping into, hey, what would that relationship look like? And I think whether you're uh, single, last week that was pretty much just for you. Uh, if you're married, this will be more for you, but I think it'll really relate to both. Because I, I think we all have this idea of what the goal is, but it sometimes seems uh, hard to achieve it. God sets out the, the goal line for us in Genesis 2.24. Phil, take your outlines out of your program. If you could do that at this time. We'll, uh, we, if you're new around here as well, we sort of uh, go through that. You can take notes. Uh, the scriptures are right there, uh, which is great because if you're uh, someone like me, I never grew up in church. We never went Christmas or Easter or anything. And I remember the uh, first time I went to church, it was like, hey, open up your Bible. And I'm like, wow, I don't know. This thing is in an alphabetical order. I don't know how to figure it out. I was, I was like 16 years old. I'm like, hey, the book of job. I need a job. This is awesome. And uh, that's great. Oh, I didn't know that Jesus went to the Philippines. And so, you know, it was really hard for me as I was uh, figuring out this whole Bible thing. And so what I want to do is make it a little bit easier for you, and we can cover more ground that way as well. Well, Genesis 2.24 says this, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And so uh, that's not the goal part. Uh, the goal, uh, well, the goal is that you will actually move out of your house, by the way, if you're still living with your parents. Uh, that's your parents' goal. They're not telling you the truth yet, but they will someday. Uh, they're probably just dropping hints. And it says, and they become one flesh. The idea is that there's incredible unity that's hard to explain, that you feel like you were made for, uh, and it changes everything. And my goal for you is that you would step into that, whether you're looking at being married or you're married, and that just seems pretty distant for you. See, uh, the goal is this, really. It's to, to value, <laughs> to be valued, and to add value. Well, as we, as we gain wisdom, we're going to look at the Scripture, but something I like to do, I've done this before, but I came up with a whole new batch of these. Actually, I searched 
the internet. Uh, when kids were asked about marriage and dating and all of that, and I thought it was pretty good, uh, their perspective. Uh, the first one is uh, concerning the proper time, age to get married. And then we have the answer, once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. Bert, age five. Uh, here's another one. When is it okay to kiss someone? It's never okay to kiss a boy. They always slobber all over you. That's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> Jean, age. I, I'm worried for her. You know, I'm not, I don't know if I'd want to be her dad. Uh, the great debate. Uh, is it better to be single or married? It gives me a headache to think about that stuff. I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. <laughs> Will, age seven. We can go through these a little slower, guys. Uh, what would you do on a first date that was turning sour? I'd run home and play dead. The next day, I would call the newspapers to make sure they wrote about me in all the dead columns. <laughs> Craig, age nine. You know, it's sort of uh, funny getting kids' perspective uh, on life and on relationship. And, uh, you know, we get perspective from all di sorts of different places. We can get it from uh, movies, uh, you know, some of the famous lines. I think Jerry Maguire uh, had some of the most famous lines. You remember any of those? You had me at what? Hello, yes, they, uh, that's another one, and you complete me is a, 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 another one there. And all these great lines, and they all tap into something. They tap in to a, a desire in our heart. And I think we, we sometimes feel like that's just for the movies. Maybe you think it's just for your friends. And, and God would say, I want that for you. Uh, I want better for you than you want for you. And by the way, as we talk about this too, if you weren't here last week, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs is really the scriptural foundation. Uh, it's sort of a spicy book of the Bible. And if, so if you say, hey, I just came in here, I just brought my 11-year-old, that's okay if you want to, but you also might want to check out our kids' ministry as well. Uh, <laughs> or just this is going to be, you ever say, well, I don't know when I'm going to have the talk. Tonight, that's when you're going to have the talk. Uh, so let me tell you right now. Uh, so, it, so, so look at this, this passion here. It says, uh, like a lily among the thorns is my darling among young women. That's a good line, isn't it, guys? And here's her. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. You see this? This honoring of one another, this valuing of one another, actually in preference to everyone else, uh, if you go through the book, the Song of Solomon, the, the Song of Songs, as it's sometimes called, that there's this self-giving of two people that creates this incredible story. And it's a kind of story, I think, that we all want to step into. I said last week uh, that parts of this book of the Bible, it gets so steamy that uh, little Hebrew boys were not allowed to read it till they were 15 years old. And uh, because it talks in some ways uh, quite explicitly, although much of it is in metaphor, which is a good thing, uh, about that kind of love and passion. Well, what does that mean? How do we step into what I'm calling a high-value marriage? Uh, where your value, the other person feels value. See, the only thing we can control 
is our part of it. Uh, the scripture is pretty clear, and Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived. And we, we learned so much from him and uh, his, uh, his wife, his wife-to-be in this. Uh, and what are the elements of that? One is simply to have eyes for them alone. It doesn't mean you don't notice other people, but that you prefer your spouse. That when a preference is given, it's to your spouse. And the great thing about that is you can even be having a bad day because preference is a choice. Look look at what we read here. Uh, It says, my beloved is mine and I am his. And then my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. They, They prefer each other. They keep that relationship, not where they isolate one another, but where their most intimate moments are their moments. Gary Thomas, in his book, Sacred Marriage, uh, he says that this was a prayer he had. He says, Lord, let my wife define beautiful to me. Let her be the standard for what I find most attractive. So this having eyes for them alone uh, really encompasses a couple different aspects. Uh, one is obviously uh, when referring to sexual intimacy. And what it's basically saying is that you've chosen exclusivity, not just in terms of not having an affair, but that there are moments that are just your moments. And what often will happen, uh, I know this is going to be a super uncomfortable moment, but that's okay, uh, uh, is when, when you invite any sort of third party into the bedroom of sorts, that it will become a barrier to having eyes for them alone. Uh, one obvious one in our society is pornography. Uh, which is a struggle uh, for uh, particularly so many men. And uh, society has changed. It, it used to be that you had to, you know, get dirty magazines from your older brother. <laughs> and, uh, but now it just bombards people and people who didn't even know that they had a propensity towards that kind of uh, addiction uh, can feel mired in that. And by the way, if that's you, uh, one of the things we say around here is we have a low shame level. Uh, that it's okay not to be okay. But why would you stay that way? We have some of our groups where uh, there's people are saying, hey, we're struggling together and we want to find help and accountability. Now, obviously, uh, many of those groups aren't listed. You know, the groups brochure, we have 134 groups listed. We don't have, okay, this is the sex, sex addicts section here. We don't have that. Uh, so the, uh, if, but, but you can call the group's pastor or the office and just say, hey, you know, I, uh, sort of the, particularly men with struggles group. Uh, why, why have that barrier to intimacy any longer? You don't need to be a Christian to know that uh, when people invite that into their relationships, uh, that it destroys really the power 
of sexual intimacy in a relationship. There's also uh, when you invite other people in your conversations about it, when uh, obviously it would be a third party. And it's sort of interesting how God has wired people in particular. And this is a generalization, but I would say it is generally true, is that often in a relationship, I've talked to a lot of uh, couples, and in fact, every once in a while they'll say, yeah, we want to talk to you, and can we talk to you about our sex life? I'm like, no, I don't want to hear it, please, no. Uh, but here's what's usually, it's that one partner has a desire for more frequency than the other, and usually that's the, often the male. And, and there's sort of a wiring to that. There's actually a physiology behind that a little bit as well. And I'd just say that's something you need to figure out, uh, that part of the marriage relationship is physical sexual intimacy. It never says how often, but that's something that you two are going to want to work through. It's just important that one partner doesn't feel rejected uh, again and again. So that's one part of it. The other part is where you just prefer them as a person, where you put their needs uh, above your needs. My wife, she was uh, in her little group at the tech company she works for here in Redmond. Uh, she, uh, her little group, she had a dinner this last week. I was so proud of her. She got the, the award for her group and was uh, mentioned a couple times in that. And I was thinking about uh, just how much she had given up, honestly, for me and for our calling together. Uh, she had been work. she'd worked in engineering for uh, quite a while, and then uh, as we moved, as I moved a couple times to different churches as a pastor, that she put her career on hold. And it was hard for her even as she came back to the Northwest, because she always thought, you know, I want to be uh, a vice president at my company. And when she came back, she, the person who used to be her assistant was now a vice president <laughs> at her old company. And I was thinking about that and as we were lying in bed together and I was just looking at her and I was just thinking that she's given the absolute best years of her life. And the best way to repay that, if there is any way, is just to say, I'm for you and you alone. Well, second is to listen well. And I know there are some of us who do this well, uh, some of us who don't do this uh, very well, that in particular, we know that men are pretty good listeners, more than women. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> by the way, that's sarcasm, if you don't get that. Uh, but, it, but you see, in this case, actually Solomon was. Uh, because we, as I mentioned last week, uh, that his beloved, uh, she was saying, hey, you know, I've sort of had to work for a living. I've been out in the sun, and it was before sunscreen, and, you know, just the, the effects of the, the sun on my skin. And she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. And uh, he knew that she was self-conscious about that. And what does he say? He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. He's reassuring her. He's saying, I wouldn't change a thing about you. That 
that you're the one I love. It's interesting if you, if you look at Jesus and his interaction with God the Father in the Bible. Only twice is there like an audible voice of God from God the Father to Jesus. And it basically says the same thing. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. I accept you. Whom I love, that's affection, and with whom I'm well pleased. And the great thing about that, if you look especially at Jesus' baptism, this is before he taught anything, before he really did anything. It was seen the best even before it happened. Have you ever heard someone talk about seeing things through the eyes of faith? That's what that is. It's seeing the, the potential for what's going to happen there. The best affection, the best compliments are always given in public as well. And complaints are always best given in private. That we need to listen well, and that'll lead to number three, being an expert on your spouse. And here's the deal. When you're an expert on your spouse, you know their fears, their failures, their frailties. And you sort of stand uh, emotionally naked before each other, and you say, uh, do you love me the way I am? And here's, here's uh, the big question for those of us who are married. How well do we know our spouse? Questions that uh, I ask myself and good questions to, uh, to ask are just, you know, simple things. Like, uh, uh, what's, what's their favorite place to eat? What's, their, what's a chore they would love not to do anymore? What would a great getaway look like for them? How do they feel about their future? What's their relationship with God like now? Do you know that about your spouse? How do they feel about We make assumptions. What do they fear? What's the one thing that you could do today that would make their life better? And then when you're an expert on your spouse, you can, number four, you can celebrate their best. You can celebrate the best part about them. This means uh, that we see that what's right with them and we tell them often. There's an interesting phrase in chapter 2 of the Song of Songs that says, See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the, singing, the season of singing has come. And what it's really talking about, there's probably not so much a physical season that's gone, but maybe even a season of difficulty in the relationship where they've struggled and they've got to the other side. In fact, in my opinion, uh, if you're here and you're dating and you have not had an argument with the person yet and you're thinking of marrying them, wait until you have a good argument with them. Now, don't try to cause an argument. Uh, you are going to learn so much about them. Do they get quiet? Do they withdraw? Do they engage without attacking or do they look at you and say, I don't like you anymore? You know, something like that. <laughs> you know, sort of the Satan voice. Uh, you got you to gotta understand what are they like in those winter moments. And the great thing is, are they able to say past those? Are they able to say, this is just a season. What we do in those seasons 
will determine the joy of the next season of our lives. And then number five, be their champion. This means that we're on their side. I'm not talking about covering up wrong or being codependent in some way, but that we're an advocate, that we're an encourager of them. We read this again in Scripture. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among the 10,000. She's saying, do you see how, how wonderful he is? My wife, one of the things I love uh, about her, and we've been married, we're coming up on our 25th anniversary, is uh, she has a rule. And the rule is that she gets to criticize me, but you don't get to criticize me. And uh, she's, uh, we, we, we had the situation, I think I may have shared this a few years ago. We were living in Santa Barbara. We had a townhouse that we had remodeled, and we were moving to San Diego, going to pastor there. And uh, in this townhouse, there was a little fence between our neighbor and ourselves in our, in our courtyard, and our place was up for sale. And uh, he said, well, hey, will you pay for half the fence if I replace it? And uh, I said, well, only if you replace it before I sell it. Because once I sell it, and if it didn't help sell it, I'm not going to pay for the fence. You'll have to ask the next person uh, about that. But if you want to do it right away, I'll, I'll pay half. Well, months and months went on, and he never replaced uh, the fence. We finally sold the place, and I said, hey, just want to let you know, uh, sold the place, and so maybe you talk with the new owner about paying for half of that. Well, uh, about a week before uh, we left, uh, he replaced the fence, and then uh, he came over. I had, to, I had had to uh, go ahead to uh, San Diego. I uh, already started my new, new job there, and uh, he, he just laid into my wife. He said, your husband is a no good so-and-so. If he had any, if he was a real Christian, he'd pay, and by the way, that's what non-Christians say to religious people to make them feel guilty. Uh, no, no Christian actually ever says that. Uh, he, would, he would pay for half that fence, because, you know, in the Bible, it talks about paying for half a fence, and so, uh, especially after you've made an agreement. So, but... Uh, and so uh, he's like in that, my wife's there. I had a couple friends who were helping my wife pack up the last things. And finally, he just goes in and in and in, and she had it. She had it, and she had that look that you have not seen before, but I have seen before. <laughs> and this guy probably was 280 pounds, about six foot one, and she told him, Everything he needed to know about him chased him off our property, literally into his garage where he locked the door because she was inside the garage. <laughs> and she just, my friend afterwards said, Ben, if anything ever happens to you, we're not going to believe what the note says. <laughs> uh, and so, I say that not just so you know not to mess with her, uh, but I, when you feel like someone's on your side no matter what, you feel valued, you feel cherished. In fact, a, a lot of this that I'm looking at came from a book by that title, Cherish. 
And so are you doing that? Are, are you doing that? You know when you do that every single day? You make a decision to do that. And here's what I'd say to you. If you're here and you're dating, don't, don't shoot for perfect, but don't settle for devalued. Look at someone who, who would be on your side. And then the, the, the sixth thing, and this is really more uh, a reflective question, is that, that we would become easier to cherish. That we create a high-value marriage is when we are honest with ourselves, when we do an accurate self-assessment. And, and here I'm actually taking another writing. It, it's from Solomon as well, but it's in the book of Proverbs. It tells us, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. This means we ask ourselves the hard question. Means we ask our spouse the question, what's, what's one thing about me, if I got better, would make the biggest difference for you? If you're here and you're married, I, I encourage you to ask that question. And know on both ends, just be open to the answer. And if someone asks you that question, the care and tact in which you handle the response will have a lot to do with determining the health and future of your relationship. Or maybe you might do uh, something for yourself. You'd pause for a moment and list three things. And you say, what does it make it difficult for someone to love me? And then start to work on those issues uh, in your life. I was thinking about that with uh, my wife and I, sometimes I'm not a great listener. Sometimes I let myself get too tired when I come home. I've shared before that uh, I, I struggle not in a major way, but with uh, OCD. I, I, the first time a doctor said I had OCD, uh, I didn't believe them. And then the second time, I knew they were a liar. <laughs> and, and, but it means, and it's not like where I'm compulsive. I'm not, we're not compulsive at all, really. But we're all, I, and I'm saying, am I obsessing too much on this one thing? And honestly, I don't care so much for me, but I know that sometimes it can make it more difficult on my wife. When we're willing to face our own challenges and failures, putting them before God, seeking change, and not demanding that of our spouse, we become an encourager, and we can also, number seven, become a grace-filled partner in change. Here's what the Bible says. Be patient with everyone. It means that we're patient with each other in our process, knowing that sometimes we're hard to, to, to trust, we're hard to cherish, we're hard to get along with. I was in a, a church, well, let, let me explain the story. There was a pastor's conference. Uh, I was, before I tell you it was in Las Vegas, I have to tell you it was a pastor's conference. And uh, uh, it was in uh, Las Vegas, and it was at, at a church there this, uh, this last week. Great church. Uh, they reach all sorts of people. If you've ever been, you know, if you've ever traveled a lot, I've had the opportunity to travel quite a bit, that people at the airport 
almost every airport, there's people who look like they have it all together, except Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> there's a, they are the, it is the most haggard group of people at an airport you will ever see in your life. I'm not being judgmental, I'm being accurate. And so, uh, I mean, it is, it is really uh, a rough place. And it's where people uh, go to escape and go to do all sorts of things that they probably uh, shouldn't be doing. In fact, the, the pastor at that church, he said, well, oftentimes we'll reach people and uh, lead them into a relationship with Christ and talk to them about following with Christ or reconnecting with them again. And he said it's, it can be difficult because one of the best things we do to help pastor people is after they sort of get their life a little bit together, we say, hey, the best thing you can do is now go back home to your family. It's time for you to begin again somewhere else. And there was uh, a sign uh, up in the in a church which I thought was uh, so amazing. And uh, it says this, if we can put that up on the screen. It says, what God did for you in the past, this is as you walk in, what God for, did for you in the past is more important than what you did in your past. And when I read that, and that's the first message that's coming in, in the center of Las Vegas, I'm like, that's, I, I get why 20,000 people a weekend show up. Because people who, who know their sin and they know their failure, they're just unsure if there's grace for them. And you know, that also can happen in a marriage relationship as well. See, when we share that kind of grace, it'll change a life, it'll change a church, it'll change a marriage. And we see that, the kind of outcome when we have that kind of heart for each other. It says, you've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. The goal is that the two would become one flesh. And that happens when we enter this high-value relationship. When we say, I'm not going to only feel the sentiment of love but I'm going to show the actions of love for one another. And I want you to hear uh, from a couple who uh, really, in, in a lot of ways, things were going uh, really pretty well in their relationship. Uh, they're two of some of the, the 500 people who've gone through our re-engaged marriage ministry uh, in the last year and a half. And really, just to hear their story about what it means to create a, a grace-filled, high-value relationship. I want you to hear George and Chelsea's story. I'm George. This is my wife, Chelsea. We've been coming to Timberlake for about a year now. <laughs> we met in D.C. Uh, we were both working and kind of straight out of college. We had a great life there. And um, did uh, a lot of things in and around D.C. for a couple years and then took a, a little detour overseas with the Foreign Service for a couple years. Basically, George was offered an opportunity to go um, serve the State Department in Istanbul. And it seemed like, well, he'd been working towards that for years. And I had sort of just been working towards my own career goals. My job had been an idol for a long time uh, and was really pulling my family in a lot of different directions that you know, not everybody was on board with. I don't think we were fully um, operating as a team at that point. We were having like the same conversations over and over and over again and it was just getting really exhausting and sort of 
I think we were mad at each other for that. I mean, really, we were in a rut. We were stuck. We'd been arguing about career and plans, and I didn't even realize how much was under the surface in terms of pain and anger and resentment, and um, it was really hard. So we celebrated eight years last March and decided to sign up for Reengage in the spring, last spring. My attitude about it when Chelsea mentioned Reengage and that she had seen it and was interested in doing it was that it was a great way to sort of start working on start working on us again and find a way to get some counseling and, and really just be in a room full of other other couples that wanted the same thing. We got there late, we had a fight on the way. We're always late, late because of me, they, and so we were already fighting, and then that's one of the things we're always fighting about. So it was great that it was like we were exhibit A, walking in 15 minutes late. Well, and nobody came like buttoned up. It wasn't like people showed up and like pretended like they had this perfect marriage, you know. It's just a room full of people that you know, you don't know. And to be in a small group setting with folks that were working on the same things we were, uh, and then to see them in church the next week, you know, and, and to be able to kind of pick, pick up with them and have a familiar face in the crowd was really encouraging because we were pretty new. We've had a lot of fun, um, sort of teasing each other in a, in a friendly way about areas that we struggle with. And instead of it being like a, you know, a battle, it's more like, this is my stuff, this is your stuff, we love each other, and let's be light about this, because Jesus Jesus is light about it. And if you go into it thinking that re-engage is gonna be a, a venue for you to get the other person fixed, you're gonna be disappointed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you need to go into it looking for what God's gonna do in your own life and what you can control, and as a result of that, I really believe God will choose to bless your marriage through that, even if the other person is not fully there yet. I know without any like hesitation at all or to have the kind of marriage that we want to have is to be in close relationship with Jesus. He doesn't expect us to do marriage right, but he says that if you ask him for help, he will show you how to do marriage. I'm so excited and so encouraged to move into the next phase to see what God has for us. And it's a little bit terrifying because like it's been a little bit scripted just kind of following the next the next assignment, the next, you know, the next step, whether it's grad school or whatever. And, and, and now it's kind of, God's gonna do what he's gonna do. And I'm really excited to see what it is. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.